we started um, Crochet Kids. They started that like when we were still in college and then we got married and they like decided to really pursue it. So it's been like, you know, part of our relationship and his work from the beginning has, there's been like a very like tricky balance of like work life in the sense of it has been like a part of our life, not just Cole's work from the get go. Like I always say, when we first got married, we were in like this tiny apartment and they were just starting out and our hat, our apartment was like covered in hats because they're making hats and like, they didn't have like an office or a place to store it. So it was like literally, you know, taking over our life from the start. And so I think it's been really good for us and just our personalities that like only one of us is, if I was also doing something like that, I feel like we would drown. You gotta bring up our fight. I mean, I'm usually right, but that's true. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Never, no way. Let's go back. Don't share that story. Hang on, did I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. And we are on a long journey of interviewing 100 couples on this question. Is it possible for both of us to be living out our purpose? Sometimes we say change the world. Stay in love and raise a healthy family. How many episodes are we? How many people are we? I feel like this has been going on for a long time. Oh, really? Because to me, it's just felt like it's we just be, we're just, just beginning, flying by. It's just like <laughs> this is. It's because been two the, years. Two years t- of this. Yeah, all the time I get to spend with you, it just constantly reminds me how much I love you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. This is the combination of love and work. Uh Mm -hmm. Mm Uh-huh. We have some really special friends today. You just shook that off. I just (laughs) said something like kind of cute and you just shook it off. Because I don't really believe it. I put a a ring on it (laughs) and you just shook me off. I'm putting how many songs, statements can I (laughs) get in this? Shake it off, put a ring on it. Let's get to it. I don't know. Let's I go. don't know. <laughs> All right. So today we have really great friends, Cole and Amy from Crochet Kids and uh, Known Supply, which Known Supply is an ethical fashion brand that's on a mission to highlight and celebrate the people who make clothing. And Crochet Kids is a nonprofit that he started way back when way that's been back. around for a long time uh, that makes hats uh People really, winter hats, beanies, winters, all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, but the new, the new known supply. It, what they do is they make all these clothes that then people can can um, buy in bulk and, and use for their own apparel. Yeah, and it's definitely more about like ethical manufacturing yes. and changing the industry of more more towards slow fashion. Yeah. essentially. Yeah, um, it's fun to see their journey all these years and. Um, Fun to learn from them. They're they're in it right now, which is exciting. Yes, yes. And so what should we be listening for? Well, the first thing is hobby stealing. Hobby stealing? Stealing. Yes. Stealing hobbies. Uh, number two, you mentioned ethical manufacturing. We're actually going to talk a lot about ethical manufacturing and if you can do all that with raising kids in their clothes. Seriously. And number three, this is a big one. 
breaking the law with your kids. <laughs> that was my favorite deep story. advice. This is that we're going deep. Can you break the law with your? Well, first of all, should you break the law? And what about with your kids? And rule if you're breaking, break those rules. If your kids are with you, is it really breaking the law? I yeah, but I still love it. <laughs> so here we go. This is Cole and Amy. We. Uh, first met going to university in Seattle, University of Washington, go Huskies. And uh, I had this grand plan heading into college that I just wasn't going to date anyone. Um, it was it was sort of, you know, wanting to focus on all the new experiences, um, really focus for me personally on on, um, just my faith and other things. And I was like, I just, I just really want to be, you know, not have, not try to seek things in other people or relationships that I just want to be learning and growing on my own, becoming my own person. Um, I met Amy before school even started and I wouldn't have said it at the time, but I was like, uh oh, ah. <laughs> that and and I fought it for probably six months. We were, uh, you know, we were in the same friend group and doing a lot of different things together. Amy was in a sorority, and she conveniently asked me to most of the functions and dances, which was really fun. But there's this one point in particular where uh, she asked me to one of her dances, which we had done, and I went and I was really excited, but she kind of gave me the cold shoulder. Uh, <laughs> she wasn't really paying that much attention to me. And I walked away being so frustrated and, and, and had this realization of like, why am I so frustrated right now? And honestly, like, um, for me, this was the moment in my life I've ever heard the voice of God say something to me. <laughs> and he's like, you need to like be dating this girl. Basically, you just slapped me across the face and was like, "You're an idiot. What you're, what you think is so great for yourself is kind of just you being on your high horse." And uh, you, you know, here's this amazing human right in front of you. And so we we dated uh, pretty much the right then. It was like our freshman year of of college, and dated throughout college. Had lots of really beautiful, fun experiences together and ended up getting married this summer after we graduated college. We were, we were youngins. So. Wow. So what you kept, Amy, he said you kept inviting him to these dances. Apparently you had something in mind maybe. Well, yeah. Yeah. So we met through, I was in a sorority and one of like the girls I connected with first grew up with Cole. They were good friends. So yeah, we met like at this freshman orientation thing. And yeah, I remember he was just like, had a lot of energy. He was like really sweet to my friend. And a lot like, of hair. A lot of hair, like really drawn to him. And yeah, so being in the sorority, we do have like all these events. So I would, yeah, I invited him to like all of them, which is funny because I, I hadn't really dated much. And so that was like kind of, um, yeah, like putting it out there for me. Um, but yeah, then the one... So I felt like I was putting myself out there and inviting him to all these things. And he was, cause he internally was trying to like not date. So he wasn't really like trying to hang out with me one-on-one. Right. -on -one. Like we had, we were in like the same friend group, but we were always in a group. We never like hung out, uh, just us, but he wasn't like making any effort. So yeah, I, 
my friend and I invited him and another friend to a dance, like very awkwardly, kind of just like it was supposed to be like a group thing. And so I was kind of like not giving him a lot of attention. Yeah. And it worked. Ah. That was a very intentional move. Exactly. After that event, I was like playing it cool. And then he finally called and was like, Hey, like we need to talk. And then it was like the, we used to call it the DTR, the the relationship. Yeah. And then, yeah. Now we've been married for like 12 years. So that's pretty wild. Coming on it. Yeah. And you have two kids. Is that right? Yep. We have two boys, four and like a year and a half. Okay. Yeah. You're still in in the little phase. Yeah. Word, yeah, <laughs> it is, it is, uh, it's, it's a very real thing right now. Two little guys that are, you know, full of energy. We live in Southern California. So being outside and on the go is kind of like a possibility every day. And, you know, they wear shoes half the time and <laughs> going. We're, we're doing the, a lot of fun things that I always kind of wish I was doing growing up, skateboarding and surfing and, uh, we're having a blast. Mm. That's awesome. So you both do like really purposeful work. You you each have your kind of lanes that you're in. And man, how has having children impacted that? How has it changed things? I mean, I, I guess for me, it's been interesting. So I, I'm an entrepreneur, um, social entrepreneur, have always sort of worked at this intersection of creating positive social impact and uh, really fashion is kind of the business side of it. Um, I've been doing that since 2007. And, you know, what's been so helpful for me and what what the kiddos have brought into my life is a sense of identity and purpose outside of work. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of, of what we, especially as entrepreneurs sort of wrap ourselves up in and identify ourselves as and identify our success, um, as a human, <laughs> um, whether, you know, we're our businesses or things are performing well or whether they're not, there's so much of that. And that's, that's definitely been true for me and being a dad has added, just sort of added this layer that, you know, you sort of know, or you think, you know, ahead of time, like, oh, this will be good, but you never know until it's a reality in your life. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, a few times with, with our first son, um, having this realization of like having a bad day or a bad week or month or what have you and coming home and just saying, I still get to be a really good dad. And I still have this little man who, who looks up to me and I get to set an example for him. Um, and that's, that's been huge. Um, that's been a really big perspective shift and an important kind of lesson that I've, that I've been able to learn. For you, Amy, did it impact your work? I mean, I know you're a nurse. A lot of times you can work, you know, three twelves or did it change? Did you stop working? Yeah. So I'm a nurse. I work at a hospital. I used, I worked nights for a few years before kids. Actually, when I was pregnant with my first is when I switched to day shift, um, which was a big switch. Um, And then after, yeah. 
Um, and then after having him, I went back to work part time. So yeah, it hasn't, it definitely for me, as far as my job, like my, as compared to Cole, like my purpose, like I have always had way more of a focus on being a mom and like wanting that rather than like my career feeling like, um, yeah, I just haven't put as much like value in that in the sense of like, um, yeah, I've always wanted to be a mom. So for me, like being a mom and work, um, like one thing is just that being a mom has been a lot harder than I thought it would be. Like, Mm. um, obviously I knew it'd be hard, but I have, like I said, one, I'm one of those people that like, I love babies when I was little. I've just like always wanted to be a mom. And there's like the reality of that has been, um, more challenging, I think, than I thought in a lot of ways, but work has been a really good, um, balance for me. So now I just am able to work part-time, which is two twelves. And so it's like been a pretty good sweet spot for me of being home most of the time, but still getting, um, to do work. The other challenge for me with work is that I work in a job that I'm very like physically and emotionally like needed. And then at home, I'm very physically and emotionally needed. So that's been like a challenge for me figuring out how to like find space for myself and how to like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. Like those helper roles are yeah when you're in a helper job Mm -hmm. and that's what you do. And then you come home and you're helper to littles and it all feels like you're a constant helper. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not even like laugh because at work, I, we have like a helper role on the floor where you help all the other nurses. And I do that a lot. So that even is like an additional level of like, yeah. My like coworkers need me, my the patients. It's like a lot. Amy is and that what she just said is, you know, is an example of that. She is really great at caring for people. Uh just I mean, an incredible gift and, and skill at that, both professionally and, and here. And what I was gonna say about the work thing that's kind of interesting, just as you're talking, it makes me think that work kind of took on a a different role. I think for me and and for a lot of people vocationally, when you have kids, it's, it's a matter of like, Oh, my work is so involved. And so how am I giving time to kids? And you're, you're sort of looking back at sort of your personal life and how you structure that. I feel like for you, Amy, you've, it work has, has kind of taken on a different role, but in, in a really valuable way because you are doing it, uh, and it's a way for you to focus on and to a- extend sort of your reach and your impact and your influence outside of our house. And mm-hmm. you like the people that you work with, you like, you know, what you get to do. And so work has kind of found like a different value for you yeah, mm-hmm. and, and what you said in that balance, which is, which is awesome. I love, I love the fact that Amy um, is working and, and she, you know, uh, has, has her time and days, um, where she's, you know, working in her career and it allows me, what it allows me is like, I get more time with the kids. Like there's Mm -hmm. three, three Saturdays, at least a month where it's just me and the boys for a full day, 
you know, from wake up to bedtime and we, uh, we accomplish a lot and (laughs) do a lot in that time, which is super fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's been a cool thing, you know, even compared to like other friends and stuff, even like I have, we have quite a few friends that the mom stays home mostly or whatever, but even still most dads that I know don't like spend that, like a full wake up to bedtime, like consistently. So that's been really Cole has like really embraced that. And it's felt like, you know, a teamwork thing. Like we both are kind of like share that burden in a really cool way or not burden, but a partnership, (laughs) but it feels more like a partnership. Sometimes it's a burden. Let's be honest. Uh, You mentioned earlier that there's a season when you were working nights. Um, I was, I'm curious. I I don't know that we've had an interview done with anyone on this where it's like, I mean, that had to be hard on marriage. I'm guessing. How did you guys, how'd you guys wrestle through that? Yeah. We were kind of talking about that as like, it it feels like a long time ago, but it was challenging. So yeah, after nursing school, my first job, I worked in nights for like four years, right? Yeah. On an ICU floor, which was really heavy just in and of itself too. Yeah. It was really challenging at the beginning. Um, that was also like a period that you were traveling a lot. So there was like times that it felt like we were totally ships, like passing, passing like, yeah. Just missing each other. In. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we would literally just like miss each other. Like he would leave before I got home and I would leave before he, whatever. Um, yeah. But eventually like we found a rhythm, um, mm. What, what I remember from, from that time is that our only times where we got to connect were breakfast and yeah. dinner, basically, yeah. because she's literally, I'm home from work. She's, you know, just about to take off for work. And, and even in the, in, in breakfast and she would be sharing, she'd be sharing always stories about her shift or her, her night. And it you know, she works in a hospital. So these aren't like, these are kind of like detailed stories oh, yeah. about like bodily fluids and things. And I just, it's like, it was always about the time when we were eating food. And I remember like so often how I just totally lost my appetite. I wanted to be so present and listen. And I was just like, babe, I, it's too much right now. That's Jeb, totally. He's always like, Oh, oh really. I'll Not never right forget. Now. Andre was in school and I came home and across our entire kitchen table was all books opened up to STDs. And <laughs> I was just like, what are you trying to do? There's just penises everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> and I was like, this is just not where I wanted the night to go. Let's he just like yeah. stopped, turned white and then just turned around and walked out. And he was like, call me when yeah. you're done. Call me when you're done. Yeah, I remember Maybe more during school. Tonight. I remember like when I was in my labor and delivery rotation, like, sorry, it's not appropriate, but saying like vaginal, I kept saying like vaginal delivery. Yeah. And he was finally like, can we like stop using that word? <laughs> <laughs> like that is literally everyday words. I know. Yeah, That's I've, so funny. I've grown. I've You're grown. grown. Yeah. Yeah, Vagina grown. doesn't scare you anymore. You're Vagina. not even flinching. You're not. I'll say it on the podcast. Vagina. <laughs> You're not even flinching. Okay, so you were saying too, I think a little bit about how not working together has been very valuable to you too. Um, you know, you have a very kind of different job, different scenario than what Amy has. So how has that been valuable for you both? 
Oh, yeah. It's, it is so funny that, um, even to this day, so the first sort of 10 years of my work was, um, a part of an organization that I started that was a nonprofit. And then even what I do today is, is very much sort of social impact minded. And, and my best guess is that people here, and I, and I'm sure you two can relate here that there's like some social good element to what you're doing. And then it's like, Oh, well then you both must be doing this together. Does your, or is your wife involved? And, um, I always thought it was funny how that's just sort of the assumption. Mm -hmm. And I'm, and I'm, will tell people, I'm like, no, she doesn't. And I'm so glad she doesn't work with me. One, because only one of us should have to work with me. (laughs) Um, Two, (laughs) two is like, she, Amy is amazing, incredible support system for me. Um, and is able to sort of be an objective voice and a sounding board and just a, you know, a shoulder to cry on. And I, and I know that I get to, you know, do that inversely for her. And so the fact that we don't work together, um, for us has been so amazing, so critical, um, that when my, when I feel, you know, entirely exhausted, overwhelmed with my work, Amy gets, gets to be somebody who's strong for us and for our family or to, to be a voice of reason and then vice versa when she's overwhelmed. And so, um, I, I don't know, like I've really thought about and have a lot of just questions mainly for people who work together with their spouse. Cause we've, we've just valued so much that time, um, and that, and sort of the different focuses that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, like he started, um, crochet kids they started that like when we were still in college and then we got married and they like decided to really pursue it so it's been like you know part of our relationship and his work from the beginning has there's been like a very like tricky balance of like work life in the sense of it has been like a part of our life not just Cole's work from the get-go like I always say when we first got married we were in like this tiny apartment and they were just starting out and our hat, our apartment was like covered in hats cause they're making hats and like, they didn't have like an office or a place to store it. So it was like literally, you know, taking over our life from the start. And so I think it's been really good for us and just our personalities that like only one of us is, if I was also doing something like that, I feel like we would. but it's been like and like we said like that's kind of like I'm I feel really comfortable and confident in like a supporting role like I've not really had a like desire to do something like that and so it's been created like space for him to put so much into his work and my work I don't really bring home besides talking about but I don't especially where I am now like I don't bring a lot of work home which I think is good for our home yeah totally I guess I'm just lucky reflecting I'm just lucky that uh I put a ring on it early on (laughs) and and at the early stages of all this crazy ride because like you said it was it's sort of just been a part of you knew what you were signing up for Amy like she 
she saw it unfolding and, and was very much a vital, vital part of anything that I've ever done. But from the earliest stages, um, I could imagine that'd be hard if it's like inserted, like halfway I'm on this entrepreneurial journey and like, you know, now I'm trying to figure out how to be a, you know, in a relationship, a husband, a supportive, a supportive one, hopefully. Um, that was just sort of all happening right at the very beginning of, um, yeah. yeah us my dad actually takes like some credit for because when he like asked my dad to marry me he also what was it there was like part of the conversation was that like also I don't have a job I'm like pursuing <laughs> this like nonprofit, <laughs> and my dad like gave the okay so he always is like I had a lot to do with that like that's funny um, the marriage and the, and the business is there ever times that like, man, cause you know, the entrepreneurial journey is hard, right? It is a hustle. There's some months that are the highest, like, you know, you're on top of a mountain. The other months you're like, are we going to make it to Tuesday? You know, that mentality. I uh, do know that very yeah. well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From Amy's perspective, is there ever like resentment towards that? Do you ever get tired? Like, do you ever get tired of the roller coaster? How do you handle that? And, mm. I'm curious your perspective. Um, Great question. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think a lot of it now that we're saying it is that it's sort of been like what I've signed up for with Cole. And yeah, there definitely have been periods of like, um, like periods that he's traveled a lot or, Mm. um, kind of like right after we had our first, there was some like transition with his work that was really hard. Um, I feel like we've, definitely over the years found our boundaries and he's, and I do think having kids, even though that has presented more challenges, it's actually been, uh, just like Cole was saying earlier, like it's been a huge blessing in in helping Cole like draw those boundaries. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's been times that it feels like I am competing with his business for Mm. sure. Oh yeah, we thought about that this week. I'm thinking on I think Wednesday. That was this week, Wednesday. That was Wednesday. I, was Wednesday. I think that's literally that's Andre said to me, "That was our Wednesday." Fight. I think the quote that you said to me when you slammed the door might have been, "I feel like your work is more important than I am." And then I slammed the door and went to my girls' night. Yeah, that didn't. That was real great. So. <laughs> That was great. Yeah. Yes. So yes. Always. In one word. Yes. Yes. Uh, That's funny. But she definitely like felt, I mean, from the beginning, like you said, you were practically marrying crochet kids too. So you. That was like another one of your babies. And his partner. It's kind of crochet kids. His partner and his, my sister wife. Sister, <laughs> we know all about sister. Wife. All right, so I have a different question. I'm curious because you have an ethical brand that you've built, you've created, you're growing, all that kind of stuff, and then you have babies. This is like a this is like real question, and you're talking about the importance of ethical brands. Then you have babies, and then you start realizing, do I have to buy everything ethically made? Like, is this like? This is a struggle. The lifestyle side of it with little kids. It's a, yeah, it's, it's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah. How do you figure that out? Or one time story for me, one time I was, I had someone speak at at an event we did on slow fashion, ethical um, clothing. 
And then I, I'm in an interview with this guy and he looks at me, which it wasn't my speech. I just platformed this other person. And he said, well, do you know where your jeans are and how it was made and who made it? And he went through this whole thing. So this whole yeah. article comes out about me. About, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I just hosted this. I, they were Levi's. They were Levi's. And it, but yeah. it, anyway, I'm curious how you guys have wrestled yeah. with that. Because I think there's a tension that we all have of caring and wanting to be conscious and then, yeah. But then our kids else? ruin everything. Literally. <laughs> everything. Yes. Uh, every pair, piece of clothes. <laughs> everything. So it's like, okay, I can do slow fashion and really expensive, you know, jeans or pants or whatever that mm-hmm. get holes yeah. all the time, no matter what. Because just because they're kids, nothing yeah. to do with anything else. So how do you... Totally. Yeah. How do you yeah, do so... A couple thoughts when it comes to just ethical fashion and slow fashion in general. I mean, I, I think, yeah, to the point of like, you know, feeling the shame <laughs> or, or being yeah. outright shamed. Like, I don't think that's a good place to start from it. Um, like a lot of people, what people don't think about when they think initially about ethical fashion is that like the most important thing you can do is sort of is really to love the clothes you already have or in the, in the, mm, in good. this, um, conversation around kids is share everything. Like there is bags and bags of clothes that we've just been passing around friend group to friend group. And I mean, part of it's, you know, you could say ethical fashion and that's important, but there's just the, you know, even thing that trumps that, which is just financially, it makes so much more sense. Yeah. So we've, we have 90%, 80% of our kids' clothes in their first, you know, few years is from friends, really, especially yeah. in those earliest, in mm-hmm. those earliest years, um, sharing all that stuff. Um, secondly, buying secondhand is, is the second best thing you can do. That's um, probably the thing we do the most. That's the thing cool. we do the most. most uh, and and I, I feel like at times I and cheating in this category because I love it. <laughs> like it's something I, I buy all our kids clothes pretty much at thrift stores. I, cause I, it's, it's sort of the thrill of the hunt. Like in high school, I got into like thrift shopping and I, I just sort of had already always been buying secondhand myself. And it's so much more fun with kids because there's so much more good stuff. And I have to like, <laughs> worry about consumption of like buying too much secondhand because it's like, I find so many good things. Um, and so that's, that's the other really big piece, especially with kids to your point, Andre, like the fact that they're going to get holes in it. It's, they're going to wear it for four months. You know, they're going to grow out of it. Um, secondhand is the way to go. And then beyond that, yeah, it gets it ethical fashion, um, for women's clothing is the best. Amy will still say it's really hard, but I would say there's the most options there. Yeah. There's maybe second most options for men and then kids is probably third. It's, it is tough to find really great stuff or to, you know, really justify. I feel like the price discrepancy is even that much more with, with kids as a result of that scarcity. Yeah. So it gets a little tricky, but, um, if you don't have to buy new and you don't want to, you know, spend the, the money because they're only going to wear it for so short, just buy it secondhand. 
Yeah. No, that's so good. That is it. That all, I'm, I'm feeling free already. I just, <laughs> I'm feeling very free. Yeah. And we're, I mean, I feel like we'll say, you know, it's all about like starting small and where you can. It's like mm-hmm. the reality is that we can't, yeah, spend a ton of money on all these kids' clothes. But we have yeah. thought about that too because it is harder for me. Cause even for me as like a new mom, it's like, being pregnant and then postpartum it's like sizes are weird and my clothes mm-hmm. get ruined because I have to wash my clothes like every day because they're yeah. dirty like I don't even know why I'm wearing a white shirt right now yeah. but that's kind of been like hard for me too and I've told him that that's why he said he's cheating because I'm like not everybody loves to thrift like I don't like to shop at all and I don't like to go to the goodwill especially with my kids so that's like more of a challenge for me. Like I'm a regular, just the shopping part. I have like regular status at our Goodwill. Like <laughs> the kids, they're like, oh, like if I'm there without without the kids, they're like, where are your kids? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? Yeah. I love it. I love so it. So you've been married how many years now? You said 12. Uh, this 12 August. This, yeah. Yeah. 12 years. Um, so what's been the secret for the two of you to stay connected and to, um, continue to be in love with one another? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that we, you know, kind of the typical things like trying to do a date night, um, stay connected in that way. We just like, we were kind of talking on this. We have just always had really good like teamwork and have been good at sharing everything, I guess, in the sense of like, um, you know, allowing each other to do things that we need to do ourselves. And I think with, um, yeah, Cole will, he doesn't travel quite as much the last couple of years, but like, I don't know. I just feel like there's sort of like an ebb and flow and like a back and forth without like keeping score too much. Um, that has like worked for us. Yeah. I think that, uh, Amy and I have just, just sort of been in sync, um, in some, in really important kind of on the main stuff. And, and there is this just, we call it teamwork, you know, like we, we are a team. It's how we talk about, uh, our family unit with our kids too, that we support one another, that, you know, we look out for and, and are trying to serve the best interests of, of, you know, the, the other people in the family. Um, and Amy and I have found just a good rhythm with that stuff. Uh, I've had to learn it and, and continue to learn how to be more self-aware um, and aware of what Amy's needs are. But because I have a million hobbies, like I have businesses and things, but then I amass hobbies like they're enamel pins. I just keep, keep adding them on. And so as I, as I want to add more things, I know that if I plan to add anything else that, you know, Amy needs to have, uh, have time, space and, and opportunity to pursue the things that, that she loves and relationships. She's so relational. So, you know, providing the space for her to be with friends anytime is like, yes, go do that. Um, because I know I have a million things I want to do too. And it's not in, as she said, it's not in this like tick for tack sort of way of like, okay, well you did that for two hours. So now I get two hours to do whatever I, it's, it's definitely not that it's very much. Sometimes like that. (laughs) (laughs) 
If I want to do a surf trip to Mexico, uh, last yeah. year I was like, you have to go do something. <laughs> yeah. You, before I say yes to this trip, you have to go with your friends. I'll have the kids. You have to go do that because then I will feel better about going my trip on, to Mexico. On my trip. <laughs> and and Amy, when you uh, when you hear of the take us back to a story when he started a new hobby and you were just like, really another hobby. How does that play out? Those moments. Well, actually the funny, the most recent one is we have a, two years ago, we got a garden plot in like a community garden, which is something that like, I have really wanted to like get into gardening and plants and stuff. Um, but when we, we were on like a wait list to get into this garden plot and they, a month or two before we had our second, they're like, you, you have your plot, you know? And I'm like, well, this is terrible timing. I'm like about to have a baby. And we decided to do it, which was awesome. But Cole like took over out of necessity. And now he is like the garden guy. And I'm like, you stole my hobby. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't have as many hobbies. So that's the most recent one is like, house plants and our garden. Yeah. She's definitely <laughs> led the charge on those. And then I've just been become enthralled by plants and, you know, the garden and, and all that, but sorry. So they're not even original hobbies. Sometimes I steal them. It's like, that's, that's <laughs> the kind of problem I have. Hobby stealer. That's <laughs> how many I should know about. I don't know. Like, got into macrame actually that's the other recent one though <laughs> macrame oh my gosh macrame I, I started selling them and then i'm like what am i doing <laughs> so i heard or i read somewhere that you wrote this thing about breaking the rules with your kids cole what tell us about that i love it so i had this i had this realization this was just a like this was last weekend Um, my oldest son has been getting really into skateboarding. He's actually, we've been going since he was a year and a half. Probably I was taking him to the skate park and I discovered that the skate park is this fully enclosed, basically playpen where dads and kids can have fun rolling around. (laughs) And so it was like amazingly life-giving for both of us. And so we've been, we've been skateboarding, uh, and, now he's getting to the point where he's a little more independent. So we're, we're trying out and going to different skate parks and we live in Southern California. So it's fortunately a lot of those I had heard about this new skate park, but had done a bunch of research online and it wasn't open or there wasn't an address really. And Amy was working that day. So I had both the kids and I said, guys, we're going on a mission. We're going to go try and find a skate park. And we, we, after some searching, we rolled up to this place, fully fenced off, like signs everywhere saying parks closed. Um, but there was three guys skateboarding in the skate park. And I was, I was like, had all these like mental dialogues. Like I really want to hop the fence and go in there. Is that bad for my kid? Like, is that bad to like teach my kids that? 
it, if we get caught, like what literally is a cop or somebody going to say to me? Like, <laughs> You're a three-year-old with your children. With yeah. your children, like literally. And then are these skaters like are we going to bum them out because I'm like rolling up with this whole like Grom squad, <laughs> and, like killing their session? Um, but I sat there and I said to myself, like the positive side of it was like, man, we're just going to do this, like this is fun. It's safe. It's like a very, you know, low barrier for entry. And as I just like thought about it and wrote about it afterward on my blog, I was just thinking, you know, it is, it's really vital to learn to assess risk, to understand where, you know, what rules we need to follow and what rules we need to break because our life is filled with all of these rules that some of them good, some of them legal, <laughs> but some of them are just rules that we make for ourselves in our own head. We can't do that. We can't do this. Like, right. you know, yeah. and I just wanted to set an example of like, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to have fun and we're going to put experience above this, you know, really ultimately low risk kind of opportunity. And it was so funny because we rolled up, one of the skaters came and I, and he's, and he said, Hey, do you need an assist? Like right when I got there yes. and I picked up my sons and I just passed them over the fence to this total stranger and he grabbed, grabbed him, like put him, put him down. I hopped the fence and we had an amazing time. So you didn't get arrested though. You're, you're good. Not arrested. I did. I left like a little bit earlier than I wanted to. Cause I was like, okay, this is good. Let's end on a high note yeah. <laughs> in case anything goes down. So Amy, are you a rule follower? Like, is this like hard I'm for you totally to hear? I can, I can feel you cringing over can here. Yeah, I am learning like with even not that is like its own thing. But even with like the skating and the surfing, I it's been like a big lesson already. And just like letting go. It's honestly better when I'm not there and I'm not like watching him mm-hmm. like swim out into the waves with our three-year-old that can't swim (laughs) and such, but (laughs) no, it's cool. I know that like Cole is like big in adventure and like taking risks with that kind of stuff. And I think in a lot of ways, that's a good trait. It's just like, not you, what I trait, not you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So funny. I I mean, I love it for them. It's Mm. just better when I'm not there at work. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so you guys have been doing crochet kids and now known supply for years and years and um if people don't know what that is i would love for you to give us a like your your latest story about it and why you keep being involved and keep doing this because i think as entrepreneurs like we could tell the old story and we're good at that but every morning we have to wake up and and go and do it again so um, what's the new fresh thing that get, keeps you excited about what you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And for me, you know, one of the shifts that sort of took place, um, right around the 10 year mark and it was really with the, the advent and, and in line with the launching of this new brand known supply was a little bit of a shift from, the sort of on the ground impact to uh, to the more the bigger conversation and idea around cultural and industry change, 
Um, we've initially started by, you know, literally traveling to Uganda and, and teaching by hand what started out as 10 women how to crochet so that they could have a livelihood and an opportunity to care for themselves. But as we, the more that we went and, and grew in that business and, and moved from complete, you know, obliviousness around, you know, fashion industry, how it really operates at a global level to like getting, uh, you know, establishing a, a base and a foundation and a, and a skill set. Um, we saw that we could do a lot better at being a bridge of helping um, not only individual shoppers and consumers, um, but businesses as well to, to help them think about what does ethical manufacturing look like for them and, and what would the power of that mean for their business? And then ultimately, how would that change the landscape for the people who are making it? Right. Like, how can we change the, the larger conversation so that, um, you know, as more people start to seek ethical manufacturing, that that sort of goes top down back into all different sorts of uh, manufacturing and working environments. And that's something that that as just kind of a vision person and, and big dreamer um, really got me excited about the future of our work. And the opportunity that we have to um, serve in this role that's like a little bit less self-serving and and more and less about like, hey, we're this brand and we're we're the best brand at doing this kind of social impact, to saying, hey, we do impact well and we wanna we wanna onboard and give that to as many people who share this vision and mission with us. And for me, that's always the end game is is not only that bigger idea, but really that, that idea of being a conduit, um, being an inroads for other people and companies to be thinking about these things and, and having that be the thing that changes culture, changes fashion, ch- changes things for the better. That's good. Well, we are getting to the very last little bit here, so we should just um, end with our final question. Whoa, drum roll. You've made it. Amy, you've made it so I far. It. You are doing so good. Feeling good. Yeah. Feeling good. Gonna crush this last question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it possible to change the world, stay in love, and raise a healthy family? I feel like we are very much like in that right now. So we are, I mean, doing our best to do all those things. Um but yeah, I think so. Yeah, I like to believe so too. And I think that um, there's just so much wrapped up in, in the phrase change the world, right? Um, and I think one of the learnings that I've had over the years is, and especially as you start to have a family and you you realize that you know one of your greatest responsibilities and contributions that you'll have is the, is the you know legacy that you leave with your kids. Um, I always encourage people to take like a broad view of impact of like, you know, not only what is going to be your impact in the next year or the next, you know, six months, but what's, what's the legacy of like your impact? What is, what is the impact of like your kids growing up in an environment where they feel like they can be free and explore and, 
accomplish big things in their life and dream and create change. It's like, I think with that nuance to that phrase of like changing the world, I think that, uh, absolutely everyone has a chance to change the world. I just think the context for which that sort of comes to life is totally different. Mm-hmm. You know, you see some of the biggest movements in the whole world where were started by local community activists, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I think we need to um, understand the impact of, you know, our family for one, the most local thing possible. And then, you know, the, the small local community and, and how that could impact. I will say in danger of just being too long winded, cause that's just the nature of who I am. <laughs> but it's like, it's really freaking hard um, mm-hmm. to, have aspirations to change the world to, you know, and whatever that looks like for me, it's like what I was just sharing. It's kind of like systems change, cultural change is like my, my MO and it can be very hard to, uh, balance the desires of, and like my hopes for what that is and the realities of, of my time. Um, and I have to take a long view on it is kind of the only way a long view in the work as far as sort of doing, <clears throat> doing the work in this long obedience in the same direction way. Um, but also in the fact that, that we're in just a crazy season, we have a one-year-old and a four-year-old. So our capacity to have really any free time outside of, you know, our work individually family time, a a little bit of individual free time and friend time, you know, that we need to have to be whole humans. It's like, there's not a lot of margin beyond that. So it's like, but I believe that will change as, you know, our kids grow and there's maybe more margin there. So he's he's taking that bigger view of like, okay, it won't always be us waking up at 5am because (laughs) our one-year-old's crying in his room. (laughs) Real. <laughs> That's Please. real life right there. <laughs> Please. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Amy, I have one follow-up question from uh, yeah. a, a statement you were talking about earlier about kind of freaking out going surfing with a three-year-old. Um, <laughs> it, is this, it, it, that the heart of that tension is, are the things that attract you to coal the exact things that bring the greatest fear for you with your kids? Is there something, is there some connection there for you? Yeah. Yeah. I think so for sure. Um, cause like I said, I'm more of a rule follower and Cole over our relationship has definitely pushed me in like things that I probably wouldn't do on my own, whether it be like travel or like surf, like surf stuff like that. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, and then also with that, it's super fun to see there. Like Clive, our older one, has seemed to like very naturally, obviously he's guided by Cole, but he loves these things that Cole loves. So it's super fun. He's already like personality, a little mini Cole. And then now he is into all these things. So they're just like, yeah, I think you totally nailed that. that and yeah, I mean, it's just the mom fear of... Broken bones. Happening, yeah. You know. But, you know, I like talk to Cole's mom because she has three very active boys. And so I'm trying to learn from her. (laughs) 
And now it's time for the breakdown. Yes. Oh, I really love them. Yeah. Amy was very nervous about doing this. Yeah. Ahead of time. She She said she was so nervous. She should not have been nervous because she was so great. She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get right into it. What, What was your takeaways? My favorite was just the I breaking know, hang the on. rules. We all know what your favorite was. Breaking the rules. Breaking the rules. It what says, a great story. It's a great story. And um, I I often have this challenge. I have our firstborn is a big rule follower. Mm-hmm. She is. <laughs> she knows the rules, makes sure I know the rules, and gets very frustrated at mm. me when I try to budge. She's been talking to you about it. Or break the rules. And so, I mean, it includes driving. I mean, all things. She is about the rules. Yeah, I really appreciate her. She's great. (laughs) So I'm trying to teach her that she can break the rules a little bit. Oh, that's what I'm trying to do. But you're, you're not really appreciating this Mm. gift that I'm bringing to the family. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think she's doing the right thing. (laughs) She says, she always just says, mom, you can break the rules with Nico, but you can't break the rules with me. It's good. It's a good learning opportunity for <laughs> and you. And Nico, the little one, he is, he's he all in with me. He will break every rule with yeah. me. So I um, love him right now. But I, I thought it was so funny, this idea, like, well, if you break into this thing to go skating and the police come and you have a little kid, what is the police going to really do? Like, I thought that was kind of like, fun. just hold the one-year-old and be like, look, look, I got look kids. how cute he I got is. a kid, be nice to me. You know, that was such uh, a funny story. I also felt so much freedom in what he shared about some really great practical things about ethical fashion. Yeah. Um, loving the clothes you already have. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We c- Everybody can do this. I mean, just get rid of the ones you don't, but to goodwill and then love the ones you have. I love that. Sharing everything mm-hmm. and buying secondhand clothes. Those are all great tips. Practical, super yep. easy, not, not expensive. Expensive. Yeah. So, I felt great freedom. Yeah, I thought they hit on a really funny thing about stealing hobbies and <laughs> The funny thing is, though, that's unusual. Like that, someone has so many hobbies. I think that's a little bit unusual. No, it shows his creative it's spirit. Like hang on, you with your ideas. Well, just hang on. <laughs> I feel like you just cut me off right there. <laughs> but I, I've been doing my breathing techniques, and I'm taking a deep breath. I'm going to count to count three. To three. Okay, let's go and respond back to you with grace and <laughs> love, and tell you what I was going to say was that. I'm actually really joking. If you're listening you're and it sounds like I'm upset, I'm really you are not. You're such a jerk. Um, what I was going to say is most people, I feel like, struggle finding a hobby. And having a hobby is sometimes a really healthy thing um, in contrast to just work and just parenting. You know, um, Sometimes it can be something that can be really life-giving. So it's funny. There, the listeners could have two completely different sides. And one could be, yeah, my partner... Yeah, too many hobbies, doing too many fun things. Or it could be, yeah, maybe that's something I need to consider. And I think in their relationship, they have both of those, which is kind of interesting. And to explore, like, so what if I did have a hobby, what would it be? And trying to explore and figure out the things you do like, the things that are fun, good for you, feed your soul. Yeah. I also think this interesting thing, um, Amy was kind of hitting on the fears she had, you know, with him doing crazy stuff with the kids. 
But I do think that we all have this funny thing that happens where the things that we're attracted to with our partner is the exact thing we don't want in our children. <laughs> oh, like me breaking the rules? Well, just in general. I don't know what, it, <laughs> I'm trying to think in real time what it is that I've seen in my kids that, that has been passed on to you. Oh, I actually, we'll flip it around. You always say things to me, he's just like you, right? Nico's yeah. just like Nico you. His creative and his spirit. creative spirit. And I think that, I mean... I mean, it's pretty attractive, let's be honest, but <laughs> just kidding. What? <laughs> I said so, I don't know today. Something. You're something today. No, but the things that might attract us to each other are the same things that we get annoyed about when we see it in our kids. <laughs> yeah, sometimes for sure. Yeah. When Nico's in his like la-la land somewhere else and I'm like, Focus, child, you got homework in front of you. And you just smile like, oh, yeah, I know how that is, you know. And I, it's just weird how it's true. Yeah. We see these creative things or the different things. All I'm saying is I could relate with her tension mm. at a core. Yes. I could relate to her with the, help, the helper role oh. in, like, life and, and also work and that being hard for people in helper roles to also then find a space where they are not helping anybody and can have a little bit of time kind of themselves to help themselves. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So I could really relate to that part. Hmm. Well, this has been a great episode. We're so thankful to Amy and Cole. Hopefully, hopefully we're going to hang out with them sometime in Southern California soon. Um, if you haven't ever checked out Crochet Kids, go to crochetkids.com or knownsupply.com and support the work that they're doing. They do it in a very meaningful way, in a dignified way, in a way where it's really celebrating the people that make their clothes. And we 100% support what they do, how they do it. And we would love for you to um, go buy a piece of clothing from them because it will make a difference. Yeah. And that's another episode of Love or Work. This episode was produced by Matt Owen for Soul Graffiti Productions.